Welcome to the Winu K Pod. We hope you are blessed and inspired by what we have in store for you. Good morning, everyone. Today we will continue our study on the book of Exodus, entitled "The Lord Revealed and Dwells with Us." In the past two Sundays, we have learned that God revealed His name to Moses in the mountain. He revealed that His name is Yahweh, I am who I am. Last Sunday, we also learned that God revealed His Ten Commandments, the commandments that He has given the people of Israel to follow, so that they may become righteous and be able to live with Him. Today, we would look into a story, an unforgettable story that caused disaster to the life of the people of Israel who have just experienced the wonderful, mighty power of act of God that liberated them from the bondage in Egypt. We will entitle this message, The Human Heart Revealed. This will also tell us that in reality, even though people see the miracle, miracles of God, the powerful hands of God, it is not a guarantee that people change or begin to believe in this God. We will learn those realities as we move into this story. But before that, let's have a, a brief review again of how the life of Israel uh, transformed from, from being slaves or, set, or settlers in Egypt until they were delivered by God from the bondage. We remember that Israel lived for about 400 to 430 years in Egypt, not really as a slave. I mean, it's not. it doesn't mean that they were slaves for 400 years, but there were times in their life in Egypt that they were being blessed by God. In Genesis chapter 22, verse 17 to 18, and even in Exodus chapter 1, verse 7, it tells us that in Egypt, at the beginning of their life in Egypt, God has blessed them. It says, but the people of Israel were fruitful and increased greatly. They multiplied and grew exceedingly strong so that the land was filled with them. God seemingly is fulfilling his promise at this very moment, the promise that he made to Abraham that I will multiply and you will have a great heritage. But then in Exodus chapter 1 verse 13 to 14, we see a change in the life of the people of Israel while living in Egypt. It says, So there was a Pharaoh who did not know the God of Israel or the God of Joseph, and they, he became insecure about these people. And this is what it said. So they ruthlessly made the people of Israel work as slaves and made their lives bitter with hard service in mortar and brick, and in all kinds of work in the field. In all their work, they ruthlessly made them work as slaves. So at this time with this Pharaoh, the life of the people of Israel in Egypt has changed. And then the story tells us that they cried to God. Exodus chapter 2 verse 23 to 25 tells us, And the people of Israel groaned, because of their slavery and cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God. 
and God heard their groaning. And God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel, and God knew. And then we pick up the story. He met with Moses, and with a mighty hand, he delivered the people of Israel out of bondage in Egypt. But the story did not end well, as we know, as they journey in the desert. Because there is a problem with the word bondage. What is to be in bondage? To be in bondage is defined by the Cambridge Dictionary as the state of one person being owned by another person as a piece of property. So we could see and conclude that in the way, in the manner that the people of Egypt uh, treated the people of Israel, they seemingly owned them and they were so ruthless and they made them work. In other words, they became seemingly a property of the people of Egypt. They were in bandage. But physical bandage is not the only problem. When a person is in bondage, it's not only his body that it, that it is in bondage, but his mind, will, and emotions are also taken captive and enslaved by his or her taskmaster. And so the Lord liberated Israel not only from physical bondage, but He has to deliver them from the bondage of their mind, will, and emotion. The Lord liberated them from physical bondage, yet He also had to deliver them from their false notions of life, including their flawed view of Him and the gods of the Egyptians. And that can be proven with a story that we will be talking about. The worst enslavement is to be kept in bandits by lies. Ultimate freedom, therefore, is to be set free in truth. So we could imagine the people of Israel live 400 years in Egypt. And, and how many generations is that? That is about a hundred generations. So most likely, even though they were slaves in this particular time, their mind and their thoughts and their heart is basically attached to what they called life that is in Egypt. And that's why when they were walking in the desert after being set free, when they encountered several difficulties, uh, there were a lot of, lot of discussion between them and Moses that basically exposes the mind bondages of Israel. When they were about to cross the Red Sea and they're scared of death, they complained to Moses and in fact they even say, why did you bring us here to die? It is better for us to die in Egypt. Why? Because death in Egypt is a highly acceptable reality and the Egyptians believe that death is just an entry to, a, to an eternal life and dying is basically a, an, an important event where they mummified and prepared the body and prepared the spirit to journey into the et eternal life or into eternity. But dying in the desert, it would be a pitiful kind of death. They also grumbled with Moses when there was no water. Perhaps they were thinking, oh, we could imagine the Nile River that provides us water. 
while eating the desert, there is nothing. When they have no food, they complain to, to, to Moses. Life is better in Egypt. In Egypt, we could have food, we could have drink. It is just right before us. And the worst of all, that, this, that uh, displayed or that manifests the mind bondage of Israel is when they worship a golden calf. And that is the focus of our story. I will not be reading uh, it. I will not be reading the passage because it's quite long. But I know that many of us understand the story that as they were left down, as, as Moses was uh, in, Mount, in the Mount Sinai and they were left in the valley, and, they, and Moses was not coming down for a long time. And they came to Aaron and asked Aaron, make us a God that we will worship. The God who delivered us from bondage in Egypt. And Aaron cast a golden calf and proclaimed, this is the God that delivers you out of Egypt. And they begin to put, the, put an altar in it. They begin to sing, they begin to dance, and they begin to have revelry in honor of a golden calf. The worship of the golden calf embodies the captivity of the minds of the people in Egypt. Years in bondage deeply distorted the, Israel, the Israelites' view of, gods, of God and themselves. What they know is that there are gods in Egypt and the gods of Egypt are powerful and they worship these gods in a way that the Egyptian worshiped them. So having an idea of a God from a pagan point of view, when they met Yahweh, when, when Yahweh was introduced to them, Moses, they see perhaps God as any, as one of the many other pagan gods. They still perhaps remember that the life and laws of Egypt are perfect. And they could continue to remember the life in Egypt that everything is to be with pleasure Egyptians likes to enjoy their life because they believe that the life in Egypt is the perfect life that you could find in this world Joshua Mark in the daily life in ancient Egypt said this because they believe they were living the best of life possible in the best of all possible worlds life in ancient Egypt was considered so perfect. So we could imagine the people of Israel, they were delivered by God from a powerful, from the mighty powerful miracles of God. They have seen this God and they had been set free, physically liberated, but their mind is still in bondage. The way they think about Yahweh is the way they think about the god Ra or the gods of the Egyptians. They still think of life to be the life in Egypt, where there is revelry and the simply enjoyment of everything. When God gave them, Moses gave them the law, okay, there is a law, but it is typically understood that the laws of the Pharaoh is the most beautiful and the most powerful just kind of law. And so in, in their mind, they have seen Yahweh, but in their mind, they're still living in Egypt. So how does this relate to us today? Much like Israel, 
we may be physically unhindered but still enslaved by our thoughts and thinking patterns. It is difficult to break away from our beliefs and ideas, particularly those that we have held for many years. Mind you, we may say, I am a Christian. I have been following the Lord for 20, 30 years. But I guarantee you, until we are alive, there are still a lot of things in our mind that we need to be set free from. The bondage of the mind is the most difficult bondage to be freed from. I'd like to talk about the liberation of our modern mind in our modern day today. Yes, we may say that we are living in a democratic life where everything is free. Yes, we can do things that we want to do but the problem is not the things that we want to do. The problem is what are the things in our mind that makes us do things that sometimes and it not, not many times are harmful to us. I'd like to speak about four important things that we our minds need to be liberated for, from. Number one is cultural biases. Number two, the worlds of our world. Number three, philosophies and beliefs. And fourth is our self-identity. I'd like to speak about cultural biases. In John chapter 4 verse 9, we have read this story when Jesus met the Samaritan woman in the world. It goes like this. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? And there was a comment by John, for Jews have no dealings with Samaritan. That's a horrible thing. For many years, uh, the upheaval that we, we see and read today in the newspaper, we see in the television about the problem and issue of racism. It seems the world is trying to tackle and speaking about racism. But the reality is, since the beginning of time, since the beginning of civilization, Racism is always a problem because each and every one of us grow in a culture that tends to believe that our culture, the color of our skin, the way we think, the way of our life is the best thing and, is the, and it is the right thing. So when we look at other culture, we try to differentiate ourselves to them and we always try to evaluate other culture by the way we do it. Absence of freedom limits our ability to relate, fully accept and love people from other walks of life. We may be free physically, but if our mind and heart is in bondage but are by our cultural biases, it would be very difficult to mingle, to relate with other culture. We will always look at them as an idea between or stuck in our idea of us versus them mentality. Cultural bias, it's a simple thing, but it has covered, it has locked our mind and prevented us many times to understand the reality that all human beings are the same. And that all ways of life in a culture are a blessing. 
cultural biases. Now let's look at the worlds of the world. And when the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites and the Hittites, the Amorites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, which he swore to your fathers to give you, a land flowing with milk and honey, you shall keep this service in this month. God was reminding them to exercise or to practice this particular service when they come into the promised land. But he reminds them that there would be many kinds of people. Now today, we don't have Canaanites, we don't have Hittites, we don't have Amorites and Hevites and Jebusites around us. But there are many different kinds of world that surrounds us. One of them is social media. One of them is the world of entertainment, the world of politics, and many other things. And we could be extremely attached to such things. An extreme attachment to the world of social media, entertainment, politics, and others can subtly blur the values of values God has clearly laid out for us in His Word. The world of social media shaped many people's view of the world. I know that many of us are involved or watching and browsing in our social media. I just remember a couple of days we were watching a documentary about social media and it tells us that the power of the social media can, can provide, can invent, can provide many ideas, and most of them are not true. The world of social media shaped many people's view of the world, events, and pattern of life. Even the pattern of life can be changed by watching and being so engrossed with the world of social media. It is a world where truth does not matter. Another, another kind of world uh, I would like to share this to you is about the field of entertainment. This particular entertainment, Britain Got Talent, Philippine get, Got Talent, by its name alone, people without voice to sing are made to believe they can sing. It's a world of illusion, I would say. It's amazing to see how thousands of people uh, enter into audition in order to sing because they were made to believe they can sing. This is what the world of the worlds can do to us. It can twist and develop many kinds of thinking in our mind which are far from being true. Number three is philosophies of ideas. In the, in the book of Hebrews, the writer warned, Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods which has benefited those devoted to them. Of course, in this particular context, they are talking about some religious practices with regards to food. But the, the idea is, do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings. When Adam and Eve ate the fruit from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, human minds were open to endless ideas and philosophies. 
These ideas are a mixture of good and bad, delightful and wicked. But unless human ideas are shaped by and founded on the Word of God, its good intentions can still leave us empty. Philosophies and ideas are wonderful, but without God behind it, it becomes a futile exercise. As we could see in this world today, there are many different countries with different political ideas of how to run the nation. But all of them, none of them really was able to prove that their ideas was the perfect and the right one. The fourth is our self-identity. The psalmist says in Psalm 139 verse 14, I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. I hope that each and every one of us or all the people of the world has this right and realistic understanding about their identity in relationship to God. But sadly, that's not the case. That's, that's not the case. Many people have a distorted view of their self. We must see ourselves as a beautiful creation of God for God's purposes and to live righteously with the Lord and with others. This is the idea. But we humans struggle with self-identity. I'd like to mention four interesting uh, self-identity that people follow. Number one is bloated self. Some people has a bloated idea of who they are. They think they are superior, better than anyone else. And it's a difficult problem because people with bloated self are people who thinks they have the privilege or they have the right to look down at other people and for other people to look up at them. There are those people who have a deflated self. They are inferior in their understanding. They think they are no good. People who grew up in poverty are already in poverty by just thinking that they could never improve their life. It's a deflated kind of life. And then there are people who do not like what they are, who they are, and they want to be somebody else. They want to change their face. They want to change their, their, uh, their image. They want to change everything because they could not accept that who they are as what they are, but they want to be somebody else. We call them another self. And then there are those people who are simply godless. Godless in the way they understand things. For them, there is no God. And therefore, for them, everything as a human, as a human being, I'm just like an animal who must need to live and exist in this world until I die. These are human struggle with self-identity. And it is a difficult, it is a bondage because it prevents us from seeing God and seeing the reality of who we are and the reality of our relationship with other people. We have a lot of thoughts every day. Many experts believe we think somewhere between 60,000 and 80,000 thoughts per day. That averages out 
to 2,500 to 3,300 per hour. Our mind is really a battle of ideas. Could you imagine in one hour you have 3,300 ideas that comes in and out of our thoughts. Some of them are good. Some of them are bad. Some of them are meaningful. Many of them are meaningless. But somehow in all these thoughts, there are one, two, or three that would tend to captivate the way we believe, the way we live, and the way we behave in this world. Abundance of our mind. Now I would like to talk about idolatry because that's what happened to the people of Israel. They idolized a golden calf. I, as we said, it embodies the mind bondage of the people of God. And it is called idolatry. I don't need to describe or to, to discuss a lot of this, but I just like to point out two important things that we human beings, we have a tendency to be idolatrous. There is a vacuum in every human heart that we try to fill with idols, such as ideologies, political figures, individual or group entertainers, religious leaders, even sports personalities, sport teams, and of course ourselves and many others. Human being was created in the image of God, and that is our identity. But because of sin, we cannot see our identity. Therefore, we try to fill that vacuum with the idols of life. Interestingly with idols is the victories of our idols, the achievements that they make, the way they look, their appearances, their popularity, and even their points of view. If they are your idol, what happens is their victory, achievement, appearances, popularity, and points of view become yours. You become like an idol. And that's why idolatry is bad because when we idolize something or someone, we become like, we become one with the idol. Only God can truly fill that vacuum in our heart. And only God deserves to be served, to be worshipped and adored. Not as an idol, but simply because He is the great and mighty God. The greatest battle in our freedom, for our freedom is not in the flesh, but it is in our mind. That's why the Apostle Paul said, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Unless our mind is in bondage with something, with an idol, it is going to be so difficult to understand the acceptable and perfect will of God. Like the people of Israel, they worship a golden calf. And they worship the golden calf as the God of Israel. They see that as the God of Israel. And they worship God in a pagan way. Well, while a while ago or weeks before, 
Moses gave them the commandment that you shall have only one God, that you shall worship the Lord your God alone, and that you shall not make an idol. But because of the bondages that, it in, that is in their mind, they fail to understand and see who God is. Similarly, in our journey with Christ, we may keep on studying the Word of God. We may keep on hearing so much sermon. But if our mind is in bondage of cultural biases, in bondage by this, the worlds of the world, is it still in bondage by human ideas and philosophies? It's still in bondage about how we see ourselves. It's going to be so difficult to fully comprehend God. We must seek God not only to set us free from sin, but also to set us free from the bondages that prevents us from seeing the truth about our God. Our actions and desires reveals the inclination of our heart and mind. Today, submit them to the Lord and let Him be enthroned in our minds and in our heart. Let us pray. Father God, we just uh, thank You. Although this story about the people of Israel is something that is disastrous to them, but it is something that we must continue to remember, not to copy, but to remind us, O oh Lord, though, that, though even though we may see your glory, though we may be set free from the power of, of sin, yet if our mind is still in bondage, with the things of this world, with our biases, with our unsecured understanding of ourselves, with ideas and philosophies that is against you, or practices that we have learned as a habit for many, many years. Lord, it's going to be difficult to be completely free. And so, Father, we pray that continue to set us free. As Jesus Christ our Lord, if the Son of Man sets you free, you will be free indeed. So Lord Jesus, may your truth and may your presence and may the Holy Spirit unravel to us everything about you and anything that holds our minds in bondage that prevents us from knowing you Lord, we surrender them to you. And it is our prayer that it will be gone from our lives and that we would be set free from all these things, that we may be free by your truth and we can say, indeed, we are free to love, to worship our living God and we are free to love, accept and understand all human beings for we were created in the image and likeness of God. Father, bless this, your people today. And this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. What an interesting story about the people of Israel after experiencing the mighty hand of God 
after seeing his glory, after seeing Yahweh destroy the gods of Egypt and set them free, they stumble again and do something that is not right, simply because we have learned the bondage of the mind was still there. And so after this message, let us dwell our hearts or, or together with your friends and family. Let us have, let us look at this reflection. Number one, think of a bias that you have realized you have that needs to be renewed before God. Yes, I know we have a lot of biases, a lot of thinking that we think is the only thing that is right. Number two, share a mind bondage that God has freed you from in the past. And number three, on self-identity. Do you tend to compare yourself to others? Are you affected by rating yourself as better, the same, or worse than others? May the Lord be with you as you go on to this reflection. God bless you. Thanks for tuning in with us, folks. If you'd like to know more about anything you've just heard in this session or want to connect with our community, please find us on Facebook by searching Word International Ministries UK or even visit our website on www.wordinternationalministries.org.uk. We're so blessed to have you here and we can't wait to welcome you in the next one. See you then.